everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning. Uh, my name is Jacob, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, before we jump in, I want to give an update on our runway campaign our financial campaign we've been in for the last month. Uh, I'm sure that some of you have been here every week are thinking, I can't wait for this to be over, and we are almost done. We are in the last week. Uh, Over the last few months, over about the last six months, Discovery's gone through a lot of transition. Uh, We've gone through a lead pastor transition, coming out of COVID. Uh, We've had over 200 new people come to our church in the last six months. And as we looked at our finances and looked at where we were going, um, we saw a gap, a gap of about $270,000. And so we started a campaign at the beginning of July where our goal was to bridge the gap. Uh, If you want more information on this, we have it on our website. We have a video all segmented up so you can look at our financial situation, our questions, the ways that we're approaching it. And we are now in the last week of our campaign. Uh, Today, we've raised $224,000, which is awesome. Let's cheer for that. That's awesome. Um, And so we're just at the end to get over the last hump. So if you are interested in contributing, or if you don't know that you can contribute, but you can pledge something that you'd like to give over the next 18 months but can't do it today, you can either go to our website at dc2.me slash runway, or the QR code on the chair has a place that you can go and do that as well. We've done the math, and if every family that calls our church home gives $485, we would be there. Uh, We'll give a final update next week, uh, but we're excited, uh, and thank you so much for everyone who's contributed. All right, as we jump into our sermon, uh, I think it's important to name the elephant in the room that everyone is thinking about. Uh, And if you're not thinking about it, it's because you're not in the know, and that is, of course, that today, canonically, is the day that George Jetson is supposed to be born. I don't know if you saw this. There was a tweet that came out this week. So, if you are pregnant and due today, your child may be George Jetson, which I believe in the show, he was about 40 years old, so that means we're about 20 years away from flying cars, flying cities, and retro furniture. So expect that to come back. That has nothing to do with the sermon, but very important to share. We are in a series called Illegitimate. Uh, And the concept of the series is that Jesus came as the Son of God, and he said, hey, here are the things that my Father wants. Uh, Here are the ways to live. Here is what God wants for you. This is what's pleasing to God. And he performed miracles. He walked around sharing who he was and sharing who his Father was. Kind of generally, as Douglas Adams would say, told people to be nicer to each other, Uh, and then they crucified him. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was the son of God, the legitimate heir to the throne, and paving a way for you and I to have a relationship with God. Uh, In this series, uh, today, what I'm calling our our sermon is trail markers. Uh, So my goal today, regardless of where you are in your spiritual walk, if you are just checking out the claims of Christ for the first time today, or you've been walking in faith for 40 years, uh, I want us to talk about the trail markers you can look at to see if you're on the right path or if you've gotten off the path. 
about a month ago, I went hiking with my kids. Uh, and it was our first hike where like, we pulled out a map and they got to plan our trail. And my son, of course, picked some crazy trail that probably would have killed us. So I was like, oh, I, I think that one's closed. Let's go on the easy trail. <laughs> it was great. And so we go on this trail and this trail has you know, difficulty levels and mile markers. And as you're walking, there are different trail markers to make sure you're on the path. And as you're walking, it'll say, hey, if you turn here, there's another trail. And we kind of gave our kids permission that they could take us on different trails. And again, the hard ones we would say are, are closed or inaccessible. Um, at one point though, as we're walking, uh, it, it turns out by the way, I am not an expert hiker. But living in Colorado my whole life, I have kind of that basic knowledge that most of us have. Like, hey, you stay on the trail, you don't walk off it so you don't ruin the area. Um, no, son, you can't take 100 rocks home because if every kid took 100 rocks home, there would be no mountain left. And moss grows on either the west, north, or south side of the tree, or that's an old wives' tale, and I actually have no idea. Uh, and if you stay on the trail, uh, eventually it'll lead back to the beginning or to somewhere safe. As we're walking, my son points to this trail off to the side and says, hey dad, you said we could pick a trail, I wanna go on that one. And I looked and I said, actually, hey, that's not a trail. Uh, that's a game trail. He said, well, what's that? I said, well, really simply, a game trail is a, an area off the main trail where animals walk, possibly leads to water, leads to their homes. And these can go on for a quarter mile, half mile, mile, it depends, it can be incredibly long, but at some point it'll just stop. Um, it's not a, a man-made trail. Uh, and the problem with a game trail is if you're not prepared, um, if your knowledge of hiking is basic, uh, you may have trouble getting back to the main trail. Because you can get to the end of these trails, turn around, and what looked like such a clear trail to get there is now obscured. Uh, there's all these little side paths. And I, I think I came from there, but I might have come from here, and I'm not sure. So it's easy to get lost. Uh, I threw up a, a picture of a game trail you can look at, something that looks really pretty, pretty good. There's kind of a path through there. It's kind of easy to see from this direction. So we had a conversation about what it looks like to stay on the trail uh, and when it's okay to go off. Today we're looking at Matthew 11, uh, verses 1 through 30. And we'll be briefly going over the entire chapter. Uh, Jesus is here to talk about discipleship. Uh, and we're going to unpack this this week and next week. What does discipleship look like? Uh, what does evangelism look like? Uh, what does it mean to follow God? And what does it mean to redirect yourself when you're off the trail? So if you have a Bible, we're going to turn to Matthew 11, verses 1 through 6, and jump right in. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus is off in a crowd and gets a message from the disciples of a guy named John. Some of you may know this is John the Baptist. 
Uh, he has a great resume, a, a great pedigree. He is the cousin of Jesus. He is a guy who took what's called a Nazaritic vow or a Nazarite vow. Uh, this wasn't common. There's only two people in the Old Testament we see who take this, uh, Samuel and Samson. And this is the only person in the New Testament. Uh, the Nazarite vow means that he didn't drink alcohol or fermented drinks. He didn't cut his hair. He didn't go near dead bodies. He didn't eat grapes or things off the vine. And he was consecrated to God. Uh, in other words, John was set apart. John had taken a look at his life and said, I will be different. I will live a life of holiness. I will live a life that points to God. He wore clothing made of camel hair with a simple belt. He ate locusts and honey in the woods. He lived a simple life, and aside from possibly being a little bit out there, as is anyone who would eat locusts, he ascribed his life to holiness. There wasn't anything to hold against him in that regard. Baptizing, preaching about the kingdom of God. He was known as kind of the second coming of Elijah, which is a big deal for these people. That, that was a celebrity status. Uh, when they would reference John, they would reference Malachi 4, 5, and say, this is who John is. His father, Zechariah, was a priest of the order of Abijah. There were prophecies about him. He met the angel Gabriel, and in fact, he was the first person to hear from God audibly in over 400 years, his father was. John had this incredible pedigree. Yeah, he had the right religious markers. Uh, he had the right uh, kind of background to appeal to the religious groups. Uh, and after his work, he ends up in prison by the Romans because he, was con because he condemned the king's marriage to his new wife, Herodias. He said it's illegal because she had already been married to Herod's brother, Philip, and because of this, he was condemned to prison. So John, sitting in prison, has this question of faith. Jesus, are you who I was to tell people about, or are we still waiting? Jesus responds, yes, I am. The blind have received sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. John, you did good work setting me up. As John's disciples get ready to leave, Jesus immediately turns to the crowd of people in front of him and he begins to speak. He's heard from John and now he wants to call out the people in front of him on what they've said about John and his ministry. And we find this in Matthew 11, 7 through 19. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it's written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not yet risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. 
to what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance and sang, we sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. The son of man, myself, Jesus says, came eating and drinking and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. This is an example of how uh, Jesus spoke directly. Jesus uh, didn't pull punches. He, he said it how it was. But uh, there are times when Jesus speaks uh, that it can be hard to understand what he's trying to get across. And so when Jesus had a lofty topic, he would speak in parables. Uh, and so a parable would look like this. He would say, hey, the kingdom of heaven, uh, it's like a treasure in a field, If you knew that treasure was in that field, you would sell everything you had to buy that field. Or or loving your neighbor looks like this. A man is walking down the road and beaten to within an inch of his life, and someone stopped to help him. Uh, That's what being a good neighbor is like. He would take these lofty concepts and shrink them down. So this week, I decided that I was going to write a parable of what Jesus said. Um, I call it the parable of the trail guides. This is not in the Bible just be very clear. Uh, and I don't think it's heresy because I'm, I'm going to be talking about the passage we just read. So I think I'm safe, but we, we will see. Uh, Matthew eleven seven through 19, uh, the parable of the trail guides. There was a king who took his people and sent them out to a trail with these words. Uh, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he's going to prepare the way before you. There is none born of woman who's greater than him on earth, but by the end of the trail, he will be the least. He's like Elijah, the great trail guide. And if you follow him, he'll point a way forward. So the people follow, they're excited, and they get to the trailhead and they meet John. And John, not in any way to be insulting, but he's exactly what you'd expect from a boulder-born trail guide. Uh, <laughs> He has long hair that's never been cut, probably in dreadlocks. Uh, He has walking sticks, but they're not like the kind you buy, like the nice metal ones. These are hand-carved. In fact, they're so nice that you wish he would just sell them because he could make money off these. He wears shoes that are a little rugged, uh, a little beat up, but you can tell they're comfortable. In fact, they're far more comfortable than the shoes that you and I wear. He wears clothing that, it looks old, it looks worn, but it looks comfortable. Uh, And and as the people watch him, he reaches his hand into his front pocket to pull out some trail mix that that wriggles a little bit. He pops it in his mouth and says, you know, protein. He looks at the people and he says, hey, listen, I have a path. Uh, It's this path right here. You just have to take this. And it's not easy. Uh, There's some rocks on it and you can slip. Uh, There's wild animals in the bushes. But if you take this path, I can tell you where to go. And it leads you uh, to a crossroads to another guide uh, who I'm barely good enough to even speak to. Uh, just follow this trail. And as you're following it, by the way, uh, it's not okay to do it alone. Uh, you should bring others with you. Uh, hiking alone seems like a terrible idea, so will you make sure you bring others along? And, and when I show you the path, will you help them find it too? And and if you have friends who have never been to this trailhead, will you tell them about me so they can come to the trailhead as well? So the people look at him 
They see that he's obviously not very wealthy. Uh, His clothing looks almost handmade. They say things like, he's just a little too simple. He's just a little odd. Uh, That man must be a demon trying to point us in the wrong direction. There's no way someone looking and living like that can have authority. So the people take their own trail. They find one of those game trails. They go off to the right. It takes a few wrong turns, goes through a river. There's wild animals everywhere. Uh, What should have been a one or two mile trek turns into seven, eight, nine miles. Clothing is torn. They're out of water. Shoes are falling apart. But luckily, their trail eventually leads to that same crossroads John was sending them to. Uh, It took a long way to get there, uh, but they get there. And they see a new trail guide at the crossroads, uh, but this man, he's, he's a little bit different. He has no beauty or majesty to attract the people to him, nothing in his appearance that they should desire him. Uh, He has a crowd of people around him, and they're excited, but they're not doing what you're supposed to do in the woods. Uh, They're not standing around and looking at animals and picking up leaves and and hugging trees. They're throwing a party in the woods. Uh, There's loud music. There's people walking around, and I'm pretty sure I saw one of them drinking wine. Like, it's not what's supposed to happen. And the people, they're not dressed right either. I think on this hike, I saw a guy in a suit, uh, but he's also the kind of guy that like, it feels a little slimy, like it feels like he shouldn't be allowed to come out hiking with us. And the people over there, like they are not dressed right. Some of them are wearing sandals. Some of them are wearing shorts. Some of them aren't wearing money clothes at all. Like it's just not appropriate. The man comes forward and welcomes them and says, hey, we, we've played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you didn't mourn. You chose not to follow the last trail guy, but he was just trying to lead you to me. Come with me and I'll show you the path. He points to a new path and he says, hey, listen, take this path. Uh, It's narrow. I just want you to know that. And and it gets sheer on both sides. It'll start to fall off. And, And there's a few places that you can slip up, but I've walked it enough times, I actually know the direction to go. Uh, I'll walk every step with you. Uh, I know every hole. I know every place to go. Uh, There's another trail over there, uh, and it's pretty wide, uh, but it doesn't lead anywhere you want to go. In fact, I'll go so far as to say uh, it it leads to damnation. Uh, Follow me. Uh, And as you're going, uh, make sure you bring others along with you because it's never good to walk the trail alone. And, And I know there are people who need to hear about this path. Um, So as you see them, can you remind them where I am? Uh, Can you send them my way so that I can point them to the path as well? People talk to themselves. Uh, John was a little too simple, uh, a little too out there. But this new person, uh, he looks like a glutton. Uh, And he looks like a drunkard. And I'm pretty sure we saw a tax collector over there, and there's a sinner over there Uh, the people decide they will not be following him. So most of them turn and take the wide trail while only few stay behind out of curiosity. Uh, There were many who saw the trail guide and who heard what he could do and still chose to ignore it. Later in the series, here in a few weeks, a few months, we'll get to a place in Matthew where 
Matthew talks about all of those who thought they were on the trail, uh, thought they knew what they were doing, thought they were following God, um, but really they were just lost. Jesus says, what if you follow the trail I have for you? As the parable of the trail guide. And Jesus actually speaks about these people who are lost, and, and he seems to have this kind of beef against people who are lost, who had an opportunity not to be. In fact, when you hear Jesus talk, he often has more issue with those who should have been able to figure it out as opposed to those who didn't have a chance. So in verse 20, Jesus says this. He began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they didn't repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. The first towns he mentions, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, were places that he and his disciples had gone and performed miracles. Zach talked about it last week. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to last week's sermon, it's called Mission One. And he talks about all these people being sent out. Uh, some who had a lot of experience and knew what they were doing. Some who had just met Jesus, and he's like, great, now that you're here, go and tell people about me. Uh, and these cities rejected him. Uh, he compares them to Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom. Uh, Sodom is in Sodom and Gomorrah, a city that God blew up in the Old Testament. Tyre, Sidon, and Sodom were all cities that famously went against the Jewish teachings and the Jewish God. Jesus is saying, hey, these cities, if they had seen my power and repented, uh, things would have been good for them. But the cities who have seen my power and chose to do nothing, um, they have turned away, not unlike those of you who ignored John, the trail guide, and me as I tried to point you in the right direction. What do you do? Last week, Zach gave a sermon on mission, and he made this statement that I love because it feels uncomfortable. He said, hey, as a Christian, if you are a person here who professes faith, um, you are required to tell people about God uh, and you're required to lead and disciple others. It, it's just not even a choice. We, we call it the Great Commission. In fact, Jesus, the last thing he said before he ascended to heaven in Acts 1.8 was, go and tell others about me because if you don't tell them, how will they ever know? Uh, and, and if you don't walk with them, how will they ever know? Uh, my son is very smart, a great, brilliant kid. He, he's eight years old, and I'm sure that if we had gone hiking and I had just gone to the trailhead and said, hey, Eli, you're a smart kid. Just go hike for like an hour or two. I'll be right here. You're going to be fine. Come right back. I'm positive he would not be fine at all. He would not. Like, he would have taken crazy trails. He would have gone ways. He probably would have jumped off a cliff to try to land in, like, leaves or something. It would have been terrible. Um, but as I walk with Eli, with my limited knowledge as a trail guide, uh, 
we can point the right direction. Uh, and at this point now, Eli is like an expert hiker. He's been doing it for um, you know, one time. <laughs> the thing is about that one time, though, is if you've been zero times, uh, Eli can tell you about game trails. Uh, he can tell you the little trails to avoid. Uh, he can tell you about trail markers. Uh, not a lot about them, but he knows they exist and that you should follow them. And he can tell you that moss grows on at least one of three sides of a tree, possibly. He knows a little more than the person who's never been hiking. John's goal was to lead people on the trail. Jesus' people was to lead people on the trail. Our goal should be to lead people on the trail. In fact, we, quite frankly, if you are a follower of God, don't feel like you have a choice. It feels like that was the marching orders given to you by Jesus. Something I've heard from a lot of people in the last six months is, uh, hey, I really think I had a lot of stuff figured out uh, about three years ago. Uh, I think I was in a great groove. I think we had a plan. Uh, Maybe we had a life group that was meeting. Uh, Maybe we had people we connected with. Uh, Maybe there were things that we did. And then the the, the great unmentionable thing happened for like two years. Uh, And now we're out of those habits. And we're not sure which habits to bring back, and we're not sure which ones not to, uh, but we're in a rut. Uh, Our habits have flipped, and we're not sure what to do, and it's uncomfortable. So no matter where you are today, I've come up with a few trail markers for you to look at and do a self-assessment. All three of these trail markers uh, should be a gut check for you to look at and ask yourself, am I on the right trail, um, or have I veered off onto an animal trail, have I veered off the path? Um, the fun thing is, whether you are here today and you are just checking out the claims of Christ, you know nothing about God, uh, these trail markers are great for you. Uh, if you're here today and you've been walking in faith for 50 years and you've got it pretty well figured out, these trail markers are good for you. And if somewhere along the way you have gotten off the trail and you're not sure where you are, and you have more questions than you do answers, and you're not sure you have it figured out, and you're pretty sure you're lost, and the idea of leading anyone else to where you are is terrifying, these trail markers are good for you. So here's the first one. Are you showing others the trailhead? The trailhead is the opportunity for people to get their first introduction to the God who loves them. Uh, And that introduction doesn't happen without you and me stepping into someone's lives. Uh, Quick question, by show of hands, does anyone remember the person that introduced them to God? Raise your hand if you remember the person who introduced you to God. What would we have done if they weren't there? Uh, Hoped it worked out. Uh, I remember my people distinctly. The other piece is, It's your job to share. It's your job to introduce people to God. It's not your job to force anything. Those cities Jesus mentioned and the ones he sent his disciples to last week uh, reminded me of a passage in Ezekiel I wanted to read for you. It's Ezekiel 22.30. God is talking to Ezekiel, and he says this. I sought for anyone among them who would repair the wall and stand in the breach before me on behalf of the land, 
so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. I looked for anyone who would stand in the gap in the wall on behalf of the land. I looked for anyone who would intercede on behalf of others um, who had no one to stand for them. God calls us to intercede for others. The second trail marker. Are you walking the trail with others? Uh, not just leading them to the trailhead, but is there, are there people you walk with because they are better guides than you and they can show you a lot um, or they aren't as good of guides as you and there's a lot they can learn from you? Uh, this has nothing to do with age. It just has to do with me saying, hey, I've been down this trail a little bit. Uh, can I walk it with you? Um, and I've been down this trail a little bit and I want to learn from you. Again, Eli, the one-time trail guide, he can explain at least three things to you. Which means that today, if you are here and you have been following God for about a month, there are some people that you would do a great job walking with. And if you're here today and you've been walking with God for the last 40 years, there are some people who could really use you to walk with them. The final trail marker do you know how to reorient yourself if you get lost? In scripture, we see three examples of that Nazarite vow, Samuel, Samson, and John. Uh, but Paul seems to draw a little bit of a parallel to another passage in the New Testament, Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in the light of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is your opportunity to present yourself as a sacrifice to God? To say, I'm different. I'm going to be set apart. I'm going to reorient. There's no doubt that the last few years have been hard. And so if you have fallen out of habits, I just want you to know that those three trail markers are the same ones that Jesus would point you to um, and what we should all be striving for. I'm going to pray for us. Uh, hey, God, it's Jake. God, I thank you for those who, um, who showed me the trailhead. And God, I thank you for the hands raised in here, for everyone in here who can remember the people that showed them to the trailhead. Uh, thank you so much for putting people in our lives to introduce us to you. God, I thank you for the names that came to mind for people in the room as they thought about those who have walked with them God, thank you for those who are willing to walk with us as we continue to learn about you. And God, I thank you for the opportunity to give us a little bit of a roadmap in your word. God, I pray that we would be able to look and ask ourselves, are we trying to orient toward you 
or are we just stuck? Uh, God, thank you. It's your name, amen.